Welcome to Own Goal Podcast. Date of recording is January 23rd, 2022. And you know what, Eric? Throw out the rundown. Because we're not talking European soccer today. We're not talking club soccer. This entire episode will be an episode dedicated to the U.S. men's national team. Thank God, because I really didn't want to talk about the state of Milan after the last couple of games. So let's dive on into the U.S. of A, baby. Imagine having a friend who makes like a million dollars a year talking about he's underpaid when you make $50,000 a year. That's how it feels like when my friend, whose team is in a title race, talks about my team who's barely in a top four race. It's it's ironic that you use that uh, analogy, considering you you definitely make way too much money to even be in the same socioeconomic class as me uh, to be a friend. You know, I'm, we're almost getting to like Butler and Bruce Wayne stage is is where we're heading. So I do like that you pulled that analogy out of the hat, Donnie. It's good to know that you're always thinking about it. I'm not going to dignify that with a response, <laughs> but first to the byline. It's in! It's an up goal. It's a gift. Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Throwing out the uh, the usual rundown. Not going to talk about all the ongoings of club soccer. We'll hit that in uh, in a week or two. Uh, but we still have a lot to cover. It's been a, a hot minute since we really did a, a deep dive into the international soccer realm, especially as it pertains to the U.S. men's national team. And obviously what we're all focused on right now, which is that World Cup qualifying process. So we're going to briefly recap a couple of the games that have happened over the past couple of months and then really dive deep into the squad that, we've, that has just been announced. Uh, I think yesterday, or maybe it was on Friday, but a day or two ago, to you know who's going to be partaking in these upcoming games, and then we'll maybe even touch on one or two of those games uh, before we follow up on the other end with a recap. Yeah, and I guess we'll start with the game that occurred early October in Austin, Texas, USA-Jamaica. This was actually a very historic game in the sense that it was the first game that Own Goal Podcast as a podcast attended. Uh, we were both at the game together, and... I'll just say this, just right off the bat, I, I really think, I hope, and hope, I think and hope, that more games happen in Austin. I thought, you know, you're a regular going to the games for Austin FC. I thought the stadium was incredible. The atmosphere was yes. awesome. Um, my wife actually had said, because a few months ago, a few months prior, we went to the USA-Jamaica Gold Cup match at AT&T Stadium, and she just said the vibe at the Austin Stadium, it being smaller and it being packed, the atmosphere created was awesome. And she's not a soccer fan. She was able to just pick up on the difference just as a human being who can observe the world. Yeah, I think, you know, to, to double down on that, a couple of points. One is U.S. soccer definitely capitalizing on the excited new market of Austin, right? Austin SC just had their inaugural season, that stadium's first season being used. So it was a great opportunity to, to throw a game there because – the city is is all about the the team and really backing the sport of soccer itself. Uh, also, it's hard I think to compare it to the game that happened in Dallas because one was a World Cup qualifier and the other was a, a Gold Cup, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Yeah. Right. And I think it was a Gold Cup semifinal, so it was a, a relevant game, um, or was it a quarterfinal? Quarterfinal. But no, no, yeah. But still relevant game. But 
there's just a lot more heft and weight to a, a World Cup qualifier, so that, that helped. Uh, other thing, I, I had the same experience, though. I had a blast at the game. It was really exciting to see an overwhelming majority of U.S. soccer fans, although Jamaica had a couple people show up and show out, which is always nice to see, as long as it's not being, you're not being overrun you know, in, in, in a home game, which is nice. Yeah, um, and the Jamaican fans, by all accounts, were really respectful and just there to support their team. Good fans. Just yeah. Wanted, just wanted to give them that credit. Oh, for sure. And and I think the, the one thing we have to just continuously hope for is uh, more non-Central America and, and, and Mexico-based teams to make it to the final round, round of World Cup qualifying. Uh, I don't think we'll see probably ever. This is the first World Cup qualifier ever held in the state of Texas for the U.S. And I don't think we'll see one in the state of Texas where we're playing against uh, Mexico or a Central American team uh, just from a, a a point of view that we will not have as strong of a home field advantage in terms of the fans that, that show up. Sure. Uh, because in, of the diver- diversity of the Texas population with respect to Latin American countries. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, that, that that is a great thing, but it also works against people like you and me that live in Texas and want to see important World Cup qualifier games, you know, close by. Uh, so as long as, like, you know, Jamaica, Canada is always an option and, and, and you know, Trinidad and Tobago and those like, you know, those, those teams could, could give us opportunities to move forward. Uh, less so about the, the circumstances and the atmosphere, though. I think we should just touch briefly on the game. And the only, only reason I really want to dive into it right now is pretty important uh, score sheet information, Donnie. Yeah, the uh, L. Trent himself, the young, um, young U.S. men's national team striker, and now applying his craft in the Bundesliga with Augsburg – Ricardo Pepe just in the second half decided, fuck it, I want to win this game. Scored scored a brace early in the second half and then was able to put the U.S. on cruise control. Yeah, uh, really exciting to see. And there was so much, you know, Pepe hype train, uh, the hype train that was coming in even before that game, but but full steam ahead into this game. And to see Pepe deliver uh, in his home state as well. Uh, really, really fun, really exciting. The stadium lost its fucking mind. Uh, which is, Absolutely which is banana lands. Especially because before that first goal, we really didn't have, like in the first half, we didn't really have all that much going for us. There were a couple challenges that U.S. fans thought should have been red cards or penalties that didn't really go our way. Um, and I think upon review later on, it, it, was, it was 50-50 either way. Uh, so Pepe really coming to big, not just getting the goals, but getting goals that delivered the result. Really excited to see. Yeah, and um, to add to that, his um, his entire family was in attendance at the game because yeah. he was in Texas. So that was really, really cool. And it was actually really cool about his dad talking about how, like, you know, he, you know, his dad is, like, from Mexico. So he's like, you know, I support Mexico, but it's like when, when my son is playing, it's no question that I'm going to be wearing a U.S. jersey for my son. So just very cool. Just just cool, good things. Um, There was one moment in that game where I was irate. And that was when Pepe was subbed off, when he was I, on a hat trick. I wanted to touch on this because I actually think this wasn't the first time or the last time Greg has pulled somebody who's hit a brace. Uh, and I know it's to see out the game and get the result. But when we're up 2 nothing against Jamaica, who only had at the point one shot on target, leave the kid in there. Let him get that hat trick for his nation. Yeah, and you know, some people made the argument that you know – he wanted to have him rested for the next game. Well, 
that was true. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> if there's anyone on your team who just doesn't need rest, it's the 18-year-old kid. It is. Yeah. yeah. He's the youngest. He His muscles still bounce back faster than everyone else's. Like, he, he's not that far removed from playing a tournament out in fucking Lubbock, I'm sure, where it's in September, it's 100 degrees, and he plays two 90-minute games in a day. He's not that far it, removed from that. And it's, it's, it's more dirt than grass. Yeah. Yeah. So, a good, good, as good a time as any to bring up the fact that, you know, even if that were true, that wasn't true, Donnie, about no. Greg wanting to rest Pepe for the next game. Uh, going into this 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 world this new World Cup cycle, where because of time in the calendar lost to COVID, we were having we we're having condensed games instead of every national break being two games. We were having a couple three game uh, sections, and MLS Greg has been adamant about three games in a window. We have to rotate the squad more than we normally would. So coming off that two nothing win in, against Jamaica, when we kind of had ourselves set up looking pretty good after the the rocky opening window, uh, we go to Panama and major squad rotation. Yeah, and Pepe doesn't start. You got a lot of MLS guys in there. It's uh, Anthony Robinson doesn't start. Um, Anthony, who's been involved in the most uh, goals either scored himself or or assisted or created the, the opportunities this entire cycle for the U.S. So it was just – it was basically a lot of MLSers, and it showed immediately in that game. We and lost to Pan- Panama. We lost, lost to Panama, which we, we usually struggle at Panama, to be sure. fair. But we just – we had no teeth. Yeah. It was – yeah. yeah. I mean, the, we said it all. You rotated the squad and – the thing is, there's the first 15 guys, 16 guys that I think are great, mm-hmm. most of whom play in Europe. With, with Pepe now, I think pretty much all of them play in Europe, except for uh, Turner, the the, uh, the other goalie. But hey, he might, he might be the backup goalie at Arsenal soon enough. We'll see how that plays out. But then after that, there is a significant drop-off. You know, should, we're not – go ahead. Say, should we list? Should we, should we list those out? Those, those, the, the, tier them out. You know, who's the top tier, second tier, MLS tier? Well, like, okay, so like our top tier guys, like we don't have to name all of them out, but like it's be Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, Musa, um, Aronson, Aronson, Anthony Robinson. Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now, Death. Is, is is Death? Yeah. Well, Gio when he's healthy. Gio uh, Death. Is, is, is Destin that that top that 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 top echelon for you? Absolutely. Okay. I think he is. To, <laughs> as the great uh, who was it who said that Rivaldo recently who said Neymar was the was more skilled than Messi yeah, yeah. to use his language. Dest is our most skilled player, and I, in my opinion, in terms of okay. to, not the out, he's not our most efficient player. He's up to play the best ninety minutes of soccer, but I'm talking about the most skill. Just mm. like an ISO skill, right? Not in the team setting. Like in a five-a-side, yeah. he would be gone. Des would be gone if we were playing fives. Because yeah, only reason I ask that is like I kind of have him in that second tier of like he's if he's healthy, he's in my squad, in my camp, no matter what. But I, if the whole team's healthy, I don't think he's in my eleven to start a game. Fair enough. 
because I'm putting Anthony at left back, obviously. And Scally at right back? And Scally at RB, because mostly because Greg hates Scally, and I hate Greg, and I love Scally. So it's a perfect little circle there. Uh, it's a closed-loop system. But then, you know, I know we've, we've, we've debated this about, like, do you, who do you put in the hole versus up top? But I'm going, you know, on, even if I put Pulisic in the hole, then I've got Gio and I've got Aronson at the top, which is – with. Pepe, obviously, at the focal point. So I, I think if, if we also think back to what Klinsman brought Yedlin on the into the World Cup for was not necessarily to even play fullback, but was to be a 60-minute, 70-minute sub with, with pace to run at tired defenses. Desk can do that, but with way more skill and touch than our boy who, Yedlin, who we love. Who we love. Ever really. Yeah, yeah. But he just... What, like, Des has that sort of touch and that skill that, like, it's almost like you can't, you either have that or you don't. Yeah. And most people on our roster don't. Now and forever in the past, most don't. Yeah. Um, but, so speaking of Des, okay, so we lose to Panama. That's pretty gross. Costa Rica does not start any better when we concede in the first minute. But then it's like, why I think like this just has to be on the field because he he's one of those guys where it's like he can produce a, we can just hit a fucking banger like that like that was fucking incredible his that was that was a golazo yeah as uh, as some would say and as a bunch of Twitter accounts uh, tweeted out immediately after the the goal and to your point without Dest obviously we don't have somebody else that that rocks that banger and we may not even. Without him, it's hard just to conjecture this, but we might not even ever get the equalizer without Des jump-starting the team, and which we go on to win 2-1. Uh, but it's really all all runs back to that Des banger, uh, fixing some massive fuck-ups in the first minute of the game. Yeah. And so that, you know, beating Costa Rica 2-1, that's a great result. Um, and, you know, as we get closer to talking about the standings, that really puts them in a tough position to even get into that yeah. fourth place spot to play in the playoff against someone from Oceana, whoever the fuck it will be. Um, so moving on then, so we close out that window with two wins and a loss. Disappointing, but you know, we're still in contention for everything and with a big window against Mexico and Jamaica coming up. And Eric, you were at in Cincinnati for the USA Mexico game. And so I'll just let you take over from here. I uh, uh, kind of for my my mom's birthday, I ended up getting me and her tickets to the USA Mexico game in Cincinnati, and uh, that was that was a fun fun trip. Just even even before we ever got to the game, so the game was Friday night. We basically flew in Friday morning. I had to, <laughs> I was out of the house at four a.m. for my five twenty a.m. flight. Uh, so just, you know, busy, busy day, long day of travel. Uh, but when we got into Cincinnati, everybody's wearing their USA gear. I mean, we went to, you know, a, like a burger bar restaurant for lunch. And we went to a couple of different bars, brewery, all this stuff leading up to the game. And even no matter how close or far we were to the, to the stadium in downtown Cincinnati, you were seeing maybe for every one person in like Mexico colors, you're seeing maybe 99 to 150 more people in USA uh, color and gear, which Ohio has a history of being a really good turnout for USA Mexico for USA fans. 
so the game was cold as fuck. It was uh, rainy and in the high 30s, mid 30s, probably by by the time the game uh, kicked off. And you know, it was it was it was the seats we had were actually pretty cool. It was kind of in this little like corner of the stadium, so we had a really good view of watching plays develop, seeing everybody making runs, and who's covering the run offensively and defensively. As we were at the game, I didn't have a good opportunity of talking to, to you or any of our other soccer friends, right, about what we were seeing, what we were frustrated with. Um, you know, I know I think the, what we, were, we, we finished the first half scoreless because I don't think we took the lead until the second half. Correct. Um, but I, we went into that halftime. <laughs> I had to get indoors because I'm cold and wet, as, as, as previously mentioned, but actually feeling pretty good. Uh, I thought, you know, Mexico maybe had the better of the chances in the first half, but not by much, um, and we were making a lot of threatening runs, and it was just the final ball or the the second to last ball wasn't catching them. Uh, but we were we were putting the pressure on them. We were pressing uh, sometimes a full press, other times a three quarters press, which is how we've been afraid to play against Mexico in the past. Right? We kind of have treated them like we've often treated the Portugal's and the Germany's, where we sit back in like our final third and just pray we can smash and grab on the counter we weren't going that route and boy i tell you when our guy christian pulisic was warming up on the you know just just running along the the touch line doing his calisthenics and stretches there was an energy in the stadium you could hear random people saying is that pulisic you know in those bright orange cleats is that is that is that pulisic warming up and then when he came over to to come onto the field uh everybody just lost their fucking mind um, and shortly thereafter. Yeah. So Tim Weah, who had had a great game, all night he had a great game, yes. whips in a cross, Pulisic is there to put it away, and... I mean, we lost our lost our shit. Um, it, it was pretty funny because we... There was a, a snafu with the tickets that I was trying to acquire. Uh, it's a, it was a lottery situation, and... You basically they had a like fifteen sections color coded, and by I don't mean like fifteen sections of the stadium, but the whole stadium was divided into fifteen categories color coded, and on the ticket draw, you go and say which sections you want over others, and then what's what what categories or what colors you will not pay for, so that you don't want you want it's either I want these or none, and. There are a few like sections that you know are like the sweet packages and have beer and food included and all this shit. And I was like, I don't want any of those. I just want like better, closer seats. Unfortunately, two sections, section seven and section fourteen, have the exact same color. So I uh, I prioritized one of like it wasn't a full sweet package. It was like this like community sweet thing where basically. They, they don't sell season tickets for actual FC Cincinnati games. It's just one-offs. People can buy it to experience that that situation. So the prices ended up being pretty reasonable with kind of other field seats, or not field seats, but like seats in the second level. Uh, but we had an indoor section, and we had a free open bar. Well, free. We paid for it. But, uh, you so, well, I was – because I was outside the whole time. I didn't. I, I only went inside a half. Hmm. Uh, so and, – and, like, my mom stayed out for – the whole she wasn't out for warm-ups but she was outside from the first minute till the end of, of, of the game mm. uh but 
we uh, we decided, hey, you know what? If if the U.S. he said if I said when the U.S. score uh, the opening goal, we'll take tequila shots. So we went, ran to the bar, got tequila tequila shots, which was just on the other side. And as we came back, um, well, everybody's other favorite player uh, decided to put a nail in the uh, Mexico coffin. Weston McKinney, baby. Oh, FC da- another Texas boy, FC Dallas new yep. product. Shout out to FC Dallas. And, and you know, I think Pulisic for the past couple of years has been like the poster boy of of US soccer. Absolutely. But anybody who's watched meaningful US soccer games, I think you'd say McKinney's been the heart. Yes. Uh, I mean there's no no other player. Well don't tell don't tell Greg Berhalter that, but yes, everyone else agrees. Oh, of course not. Uh, I, I'd never tell Greg that. Um but I mean, how many times have we seen McKinney get like choked by the opposition, specifically Mexico? Uh, but whenever, how, I don't know how many times has McKinney played Mexico. <laughs> and whenever there's a scuffle, um, you know, and one of our guys gets hit kind of hard or dirty, Weston's there immediately. Kind of, he's he's. I don't care what the rumors are. He he's a a, a teammate's guy. You know. Uh, here's something to be said about McKinney. In 28 appearances. For the men's, uh, U.S. men's national team, eight goals, and for a, a box-to-box midfielder, you know that's that's about a .3 goals to game ratio. That is phenomenal if you really think about yeah. it. Yeah, oh yeah, it's fantastic. So you know, the, as soon as we start, as soon as we score, the entire stadium erupts into dos Acero. just fucking love it. going fucking nuts. And Funny things leaving the stadium. I heard like some Mexican fans saying, "I would so much rather have lost three zero or four one. Uh, I, I would let, rather have lost by more goals than to have lost by that fucking scoreline." And I was just like, "Dos Acero." <laughs> yeah. Um, the the other well, the other really funny thing uh, was right when the game ended, as the Mexico players are walking off the field, the stadium kind of. Uh, PA started playing Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror. Well, that's what I wanted to get to. When Pulisic scored his goal, he had lifted up his jersey to reveal an undershirt that said Man in the Mirror. And leading up to this game, um, Mexico's longtime goalie and the king of stopping shots that are shot directly out of Manuel Ochoa said that Mexico is the mirror in which the U.S. wants to see itself. Something along those lines. Yeah. Basically, USA looks in the mirror and we want to be Mexico. So the man in the mirror thing, I just I was literally fully erect when he when I saw the man in the mirror. And I and so then, my, I did, we didn't know about the stadium playing it until you told us. So in my retelling of the story, you know, I, I hadn't seen the memo show uh, comments before the game, and when Pulisic scored, I didn't have the angle of seeing his shirt either. So I had no idea. And then when they were playing, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. My mom and I were like, that is a really odd choice as like a celebration walk-off song. And then as we're, as we're walking out of the stadium, I've got, you know, Twitter up and my entire timeline is just all of these, you know, screen grabs of memos, like, you know, faces that caught him, like when he's making a weird look, he's talking like, uh, um, and it's just his quote. And then you see the, the plastic shirt. So the fact that, that, you know, whoever was running the uh, the audio at the stadium was so quick to have man in the mirror as Mexico are walking off was just chef's kiss. And I'll say, man, that I have ne- that second half I have never seen us dot like we 
It could have been 3-0, 4-0. Yeah. We do- I mean, we dominated them. The entire ge- that entire second half, I mean, that is the team that I that, that is the team I know is there in the US men's national team. The way we played in that second half. If we pl- if we can find the consistency to play like that all the time, we will run CONCACAF. It'll it'll be a joke for us to qualify. It'll be so fucking easy if we can find that level of game because you had a bunch of guys based in Europe playing at a high fucking level, yeah. which is what we've always talked about. It was incredible. So I think it's a good time to, to bring up some stats that we've, you and I have shared and seen all, you know, a lot every year uh, for the last couple of years, which is like the, uh, the number of minutes played in the top five leagues and the number of minutes played for like, you know, players 23 and under the top five leagues. And in CONCACAF, it's, it's, we are so far ahead of everybody. Uh, and, and like, and when you get to globally at the U23, you know, age playing at senior level across top across Europe, we're we're like sixth or seventh. And the the top five are nobody in CONCACAF and, and like Mexico's not really anywhere around. The top five are like England, Brazil, like the the historical Germany, Spain. Yeah, yeah. The historical like blue chips of soccer. Yeah. Um, like so the, it's, all it's, the brand names. The Gucci's, the Versace's, Balenciaga. It's been really, it's really. I thought that second half, I mean, but, like, but going back to what I said about the, the first half, we were playing us that way in the first half. We just weren't connected on the last bit, and in the second half, we did twice. I mean, well, even more than twice because we, we were threatening and challenging. Wea was a fucking god. Um, so it was just, when watching that game and thinking about the game now, it really reminds me of like this is the proof of what getting these excessive minutes in Europe, especially way more than Mexico has been getting, uh, what the result is. Yeah. And so, the classic U.S. fashion. You were saying, you know, this, that second half was the proof of what, how the U.S. could play if we could do it consistently. Uh, insto facto. Insto facto. In classic U.S. fashion, we follow up a big one with our rival with kind of a, a dud 1-1 draw with Jamaica. Uh, Tim Weah opened the scoring for us. Uh, just continue, He really continued. He had such a great window. When, when, when he opened that, you thought, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll bag another one maybe before halftime or at the other end of halftime, and then we should be able to see this out, no problem. Yeah, but like within 10 minutes, we forgot about one guy Jamaica has who's a pretty big deal, Mikel Antonio, who's obviously been a beast in the Premier League for Westham. For a while, you know, for several seasons now. Yeah. And, you know, talk about a banger and a golazzo. Like, it sucked because it was a great goal. It was probably preventable from a defensive standpoint. If yeah, we not had, from the goalie if, standpoint. The goalie could we, do nothing. Yeah. It was, if we had, people were saying if Matt Turner was in over Stefan, he would have stopped that. No, I don't no. fucking think so. Um, but I think. You could have had prime fucking Casper Schmeichel in goal and he would have stopped that. I think for the last couple of years, Mikal has been, I mean, obviously he, he's only recently started playing for Jamaica, but he's been disrespected in the ranking of the top CONCACAF players. You know, um, I think to put a lot of people above him, there's a few, but to put a lot of people above him when he's like slotting at people's like number seven or number eight, that's disrespectful. Uh, and he showed it there. And I think our defense in our midfield also showed that disrespect by not picking him up earlier and being a little, you know, it's hard to be physical with him because he's so powerful, but you just can't let him operate in that space. 
And this is a guy who pretty much starts every game in and out for a team that's been challenging for the top four the last couple of years, a higher mid-table Premier League team who gets cons- – I mean, I love Pulisic. I think Pulisic's incredibly talented, but Antonio gets more consistent playing time in the Premier League yeah. than Pulisic has over Tuchel. And Antonio's more used to having to Thanos do it, do it myself, yeah. uh, which was the exact scenario he ended up in with Kimeka. So, as you mentioned, incredibly – something that we're getting way too used to. Uh, but following up a, a really galvanizing, uh, exciting win with a dud of a performance. Yep. Yep. And so after those five games, just kind of the standings where we're left off, before we kind of start talking about the squad and the upcoming games, you got Canada on 16 points, USA on 15, Mexico 14, Panama 14, and then Costa Rica on 9 and everyone else. So – it's kind of starting to picture that, you know, Canada, USA, Mexico, Panama are the four teams who are going to fight for those three auto qualifier spots. Yeah. And then the odd man out is going to play in the um, cross-world cross so, playoff. Yeah, and I, I wasn't sure if they'd announced that we are matched up with Oceania again or not. Oh, I, know I don't that, know. That's, that's, past- who it was, that's who it was past cycle. I, I think they draw it. I don't know if it's been drawn yet, so mm-hmm. – you know, it's. I don't know who the other uh, regions are that get a, a another half of a spot, but you know, it, drawing the Oceania is pretty favorable. Yes. Uh, they're not the strongest, but it's possible that we could get. I don't, I, like, I don't know if, if Asia or if Africa have half a spot or something. Um, I know Europe has like thirteen, and South America have uh, like a whole number as well. But uh, the other federations, there, it's possible we could get a. a a tough draw if we were to fall in fourth. And I'm bringing that up because right now we're only one point ahead of fourth, uh, fourth place. So yes. it is nice. It is nice that we have a little bit of a buffer in between fifth place, you know, with Costa Rica being at nine and we're already at, we're six points ahead of them. Uh, but it, we are way too close to comfort for 14, uh, for, with, to fourth place. Yeah. Should we talk about the squad? Or Let's the games? Talk about- I think the squad first and then the games, right? I think squad, then games. Okay. Why the fuck did we take four goalkeepers? <laughs> can and I not give Joe you, Scally. Can I give you my alternative? Or my, like, devil's advocate there? No. But yes. Did you see the, uh, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mispronounce the, the name, but so AFCON's going on right now. Yes. And for those that don't know, that's the Africa Cup of Nations. And how it would you know unless you had fucking BE in sports? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't have B in sports, but yeah. I also we have a podcast, so I guess that explains it. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, these are being recorded. <laughs> I don't know. Did you press the record button? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know if you guys saw, but Comoros or Comoros is having probably their best AFCON showing ever. Uh, they, they've made it to the knockout round. Their game is, I think, tomorrow. And because of injuries and COVID and all this shit, they don't have enough keepers active on their roster that they have to call up a, a an outfield player on their squad to play keeper tomorrow. Now, I know these squads are fluid, so we could always drop somebody down and, and bring somebody else back up in their stead. But, I, you know, that's just what I'm thinking is Greg's like, I need four keepers in case, like, one gets suspended or hurt and the other two get COVID. Uh, but, like, I, I don't... Do we need Gabriel Slo- Slonina? No! 
Do we need Sean Johnson? Not really. Like you can, if you want to, I think this Selena kid had a, had a really good season for Chicago. Uh, I've heard that there have been some uh, Premier League teams actually scouting him, wanting to bring him over to like their U twenty three squads. I so like that. I think this, this is like an attaboy of like you had a really good season. You know, let's get you into camp. That's fine, but then like don't bring Sean Johnson in. Obviously, Stefan and Turner come. Like that. That's non negotiable. Yeah, that's not even and, a debate. If you want to give this this kid like a reward for having a hell of a season, do that. But then don't keep Sean Johnson in too. It's just it's too, we don't need that many keepers. It's too many keepers in the picture. Um, I I so I know you said like why, where the fuck is Joe Scally, which was the text I sent to you when I first saw this squad. Um, I I do think he's being kept out because of his uh, he had COVID earlier in the season earlier this month and hasn't been able to really log any minutes for Munch and Gladbach. So I, I think that has to be why Greg left him out. Yeah. Which just pisses me off, though, because, like, I, this kid is having the most consistent season of any of our two players in Europe. Yeah. He really is. I mean, okay, him and Anthony, but... <laughs> no, I was okay with what you said originally. So, going to the squad, I mean, anything else you want to say about the keepers before we move on to defenders? No. Okay. Um, just my overall thoughts here. I'm pissed that Scally, whether it's because of COVID or because Greg sucks, it's probably a lot of both, isn't on this roster. That's a bummer. Uh, the other one that I think we have to talk about is, is, is his window closing. John Brooks is left off again. Yeah. He, you know, he, go ahead. Yeah, please. You know, he has Wolfsburg as a team haven't had the best season. John hasn't played great either. Greg said it's only because he hasn't played great, it's because of form. Yeah. I still think he's young enough where, you know, he still has time if he finds his form. So I, I don't have to, I'm not ready to say his window is just closing yet because I think he's, what is he, 29? I'm pulling it up right now. And center backs can age well. Well, yeah, the good, he's, he's 28. Okay. He's, no, yeah, he's 28. I think he's, he's, he's younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> What's his birthday? Uh, January 1993. <laughs> yeah, uh, congratulations. You're just a few years, few months younger than him. Uh, his, his game has never been predicated on speed. And he did get some time for Wolfsburg, their most recent match. I think he started. Uh, so like that, that's good because he also there was a, he was a couple games getting dropped from Wolfsburg as well. Um, I guess what's concerning to me is when he did last play for us, he was he was getting kind of lazy. He was not he was standing at the top of the box, not tracking runners, uh, like, like doing a lot of ball watching. Yes. So I, I completely agree. The window is not closing. I guess I had to you know pose the question so we could answer it but i mean it's a concern and, and yes it's not good what is closing and what is closed is his automatic name at the, at, at the top of the list yes. for that position especially as we get to the rest of the defensive roster we have some exciting uh center back options here and well, by some i mean one well, it's obviously Chris Richards. Chris Richards, who you and I have been 
big fans of for a while. And, you know, hopefully we see him get more time actually in uh, more game time. Um, and then you kind of talk, you made an allusion earlier about how there's one MLS player that like you're, you know, you'd put in that, you know, needs to be on the roster that Matt Turner, I think there's a case for another one. And then public opinion might even start arguing for a third. I think Miles Robinson has proved that he deserves to be be in the squad. Sure. And then I've, I've never been a fan of him, but his performances recently for the U.S. have been strong. Walker Zimmerman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say this, though. There's another guy who's not in here that I think was hard done by. And yes. It's Cameron Carter-Vickers. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read you some headlines from doing a Google News search. Please. Celtic handed major boost, ha- handed major Carmen, uh, Carter Vickers boost for Rangers clash as he is not selected for USA duty. Celtics fans are happy that yeah. there's no chance he can hurt himself playing for us because they, that's how he's been playing. There's, there's, Here's another one. Celtic hope to seal permanent Cameron Carter Vickers deal. He has been also, one of their most consistent best players. Go ahead. Uh, there's kind of a, a popular thought in the Scottish Premiership. I, that know, I know a few popular thoughts myself. That he <laughs> is the top performing center back in the league. Yeah. That league is not like it's, it's not an easy league. It, it may not be super technical, but it's a physical fucking league. And it's it's straining on on center backs. Like if if you're if you're a pushover, you cannot survive in that league. And I'll say this who would I have not had here under this list? Mark McKenzie. Because I've seen what Mark McKenzie can do. We haven't seen Cameron Carter-Vickers part of this team in a long time. Mm-hmm. He's playing well. And if you're going to – and if your whole thing is, you know, if you want to give fucking Gabriel Slonina an attaboy, don't you think Cameron Carter-Vickers deserves an attaboy? Don't you think I'd have a raging boner to see Chris Richards and Cameron Carter-Vickers play oh, together? And that's no disrespect to Miles Robinson. But if I see potential otherwise, you know, at the end of the day, it's about finding the 11 best guys. Yeah, that's of it. course. It's not personal. And and I, I mean, Chris or Miles has had has had some good showings with Absolutely. the US, but but he's also in in some of these disappointing performances has had some not so great moments too. And Cameron Carter Vickers has done a great job, kind of since he finally he's finally found his footing, right? You know, he's went over to Tottenham and then went on loan for a while, uh, and and hopefully he's permanently at at uh, Celtic, but. I completely agree with you. I, obviously, the other guy I want to see is not not able to is just Galley. Um, yeah, you could you could send home uh, Mark McKenzie, but I don't I don't hate giving him some more opportunities. I don't hate giving him more opportunities. I didn't like him getting an opportunity in mm-hmm. lieu of Cameron Carter Vickers. Obviously, you can call them both up. I just think CCB should have been there for sure. And and I would actually pull people from the midfield and forward pool to make that make make that spot. That's fair. That's fair. One other thing. Reggie Cannon's resurgence with Boa Vista, after being in a really, really weird contract situation with them, he started the last five games for them, dating back to December, and then I think the sixth game, if you went back, he came on as a sub. But interesting note here, since we're talking about center backs, the last three games he has started as the right, far right center back in a back, back three, a la Kyle Walker with England sometimes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it was weird because it seemed like he had gotten shelved. And they were going to try to make a move, like, like send him out or, get, or offload him. And 
talks with whoever they were talking to collapsed and fell, and fell through, and it just seemed like he was going towards roster purgatory uh, and just kind of be shelved. So it's awesome. Awesome to say he's back and, and, and getting time and playing. So, I, you know, I think we, we well, spent... Oh, oh, what's up? Just one last thing, because if we could develop him into a very adequate center back partner for Chris Richards, we could technically be playing with four full backs in the back. I know that's all you want. And then um, you put Dest at wing, that's five. McKinney and Adams <laughs> are emergency fullbacks. I mean, they both played uh, fullback. At, at, like, a high-end professional level. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say Shaka is high-end professional, but when McKinney was playing fullback for them, it was the high-end professional level. They've just gone so far downhill. Sorry, I just had to go on a fullback tangent. Well, well I was to say, if, if your boy Justin Che... Uh, can make some moves because he's got some center back and fullback potential. He, there's, there's another option there for you, and I, I love the idea of him and Richards building up a, a little duo at Hoffenheim. I know both former FC Dallas youth products. Um, so midfield. What we what we need to find for you is uh, a former fullback who's playing goal, goalie, and maybe this this Comoros uh, outfield goalkeeper will be there, one of their fullbacks. And then we, you, know, you need somebody in that mold. So we spent the most time talking about the defenders, which honestly, overall, is the group I have the least number of problems with. Yes, I agree. Oh, boy. Where do we Let's start? start with the good news. Let's start with the good news. Okay, our big three are in there in the midfield. Yes. Tyler uh, Adams, that- Weston McKinney, Yudis Musa, who recently had a goal for Valencia, by the way. Yep. Uh, at, most recently, as in just this week, and they, you know, he get, got their opening goal. They got up to a two nothing lead against Atletico. It, it, it was then two one, and then Musa was pulled off. And immediately after that happened, it was three two Atletico. So <laughs> maybe keep in mind. <laughs> okay, so the good news is the big three are there. Also, there is an inclusion here that I am happy to see. Me too, Kellen Acosta. There's another one too. Oh. I like Kellen Acosta being part of this squad because I don't think we're – if I think about 23 men for a World Cup, I still I think Kellen Acosta does make it Absolutely. on the 23, not as a starter. He can fill in in so many different positions for you. So his versatility I think is really important and his experience in the locker room. So he's a guy who will make the 23 in my opinion, and I'm okay with him making – here's, here's, here's where I am with him. I – I assumed he'd be on this roster, and I, I, I was. It's not that I was happy to see him on the roster because I would have been shocked if he wasn't on it, right? Yeah. Uh, and I would expect if, if things stay as they are today, that he should be on that that twenty three in November for that World Cup because that feels weird saying. Um, yeah. And it, you know, I know he's he has he, he has also covered fullback uh, at times. And Where he started his career. He covers really well that kind of center defensive mid. That holding mid, so to the point where if one of those big three is out of McKinney, Tyler, or Eunice, he can slot slide forever's out, take the most defensive section yeah. of that three, and then the other can others can rotate accordingly and, and be more up if if that need be. And I think you know we miss some, but we don't miss too much to where I fear for our the safety of our back line. Yeah. Um. But I was actually really excited to see Luca De La Torre. Yep. Uh, he's probably 
the top performing midfielder not in one of the big uh, teams in the university. He's had a really great uh, kind of run over this last year, year and a half, to the point where people on the, the, the mini reddits of U.S. soccer have been kind of clamoring for him to get a call up these last couple of windows. So I think it was cool to see him get that call up, also knowing that uh, Gianluca Busio is out with COVID right now. He hasn't been able to play for Venezia uh, after logging their most minutes in the first half of the season. So there was like an open roster spot. Uh, now, if if Busio is healthy, do we? Am I as happy to see Luca De La Torre in, in the roster? I don't know. Um, I, I hard hard to say at that point. But. Well, actually, I would say if you take out one of Legette or Roldan <laughs> and bring in Busio for one of those two, we're one step closer to inching both of those guys out of the team. Donnie, why are you holding on to pipe dreams that'll never happen? Do you think Sebastian Legette just has like the biggest collection of Greg Berhalter dick pics, and like he'll release them to the world? My thought is one of the two of them, Roldan or or uh, Legette, have something horrible on Berhalter, and they've teamed up to partner blackmail him, and like that's where Benzema went wrong is he did the blackmail all by himself. Uh, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. Although he was found guilty, so I don't know if it's allegedly. And, and we're appealing, and, the, and they're appealing that said, importantly, he was not found and not innocent. <laughs> uh, so I think I think they're teaming up to like cover each other while while extorting Greg. But also, I just think you know, no matter how well we do, I'm always gonna think Greg has a greater a non-zero degree of incompetence. Oh wait, speaking of blackmailing Greg, do you remember at Milo yes. that guy yes. who came up to us? It's an interesting – the filmmaker who invited me to his house in Colorado. Quote-unquote filmmaker. I'm pretty sure that meant porn. If I ever went to Colorado to meet up with him, he'd be severely disappointed that I lacked the equipment necessary for that kind of work. Um, yeah, this guy got in this whole like like weird tangent about – a, how he's like really in with these Oklahoma State sports boot athletic boosters, which I don't know what that meant about anything. And B, how like we need to like blackmail and extort to get Greg Berhalter off, out of the U.S. Uh, team. So that's a bit of a tangent. I don't think we're gonna we'll we'll save a mailbag episode for for that story if anybody asks. Um, Back to the but any the, the, the big takeaway is like. We're going to get to the World Cup 23, and those two guys are going to be on the roster, aren't they? One of them for sure. Very likely both of them. I really hope it's not both of them. It would be like having like the world's biggest fucking hemorrhoid if it's both of them. One of them I can like live with. Not really, but like I won't kill myself. <laughs> but two of them is tough. All right. Well, talking about two of them is tough. Let's talk about the forwards called up. Uh, okay, can we talk about the good? You want to talk about the good first? Okay. Good first. Obviously, Brendan Aronson has been incredible this um, World Cup qualifying cycle. Your boy, Brendan Aronson. I love that. Uh, obviously, Ricardo Pepe, for obvious reasons. Yeah, Pepe. I mean, now he's got to move in Augsburg. We love that for him. I mean, obviously, Pulisic, that goes without saying. Obviously, Tim Weah. Well, I mean, it doesn't go without saying because, like, he's healthy. <laughs> Pulisic... He's healthy. We're happy he's in the squad. Tim Weah is awesome. Happy he's in the squad. And you know what? 
I'm okay with Jesus Ferreira being in the squad because if I look through this squad, I think there's four or five FC Dallas youth products who, who are on this team and a lot of them play in Europe. So if it's an FC Dallas youth guy and he's in the squad, I'll go with it. Because clearly they know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. So that leaves us with Paul Nipples, Areola. Is Zardes almost worse than Paul Ariola? Yeah, in Giassi Zardes. And, like, uh, I know Norwich have been go- hot garbage, and Sargent really hasn't produced goals in his last couple of seasons, either at Norwich or when he was over in the Bundesliga. He scored two on Friday. But he just scored a brace in oh, a... Also, rele- we had a friend who said the first one was lucky. It's not lucky if you tried to do that exact thing. Yeah, you could argue he was trying to flick it to, like, like the back corner for a, another runner, but I don't care. He was intentionally trying to kick the ball with the outside of his foot in, like, a half-moon scorpion kick, and it resulted in a goal. So, like, that was fucking awesome. Yeah, there was nothing lucky about that. I believe he intended to score, 100%. But even, even in his goal drought, it has never been, like, question that he he does all the other things you want and need a striker to do. Yeah, he's a coach's dream because he busts his ass off off the ball. He makes all the right runs. He's a coach's dream. Coaches love that guy so, like that. I would love to have seen Sergeant the Red Baron over Giassi's artist. I, I mean, I, the, I'd like to see a, a, mop, a, a bucket with like a mop as a head over Giassi's artist at this point. And <sighs> same with Paul Nipples. Yes. Who is kind of a terrible soccer player. He just misses he misses so many like whenever he does he, he he's a great effort player. He'll 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 work hard in the press, you know, not in the media press, but pressing <laughs> the opponents. Um, but there were there were a couple games where he had was it against Mexico? No. It was Jamaica. It was in Jamaica where he just had we were there opportunity after opportunity and just could not fucking get the job done. And I'm just tired of watching him. I will say this though, of the <laughs> MLSers that we've harped on that we dislike in this roster, I think I'm the most okay with him, and I, it might just be because I like calling him Paul Nipples. Interesting. Like I, I would go. I want Giassi. I have him last. Then I think I've got Roldan second to last. Interesting. And then either Leggett or, or Nipples, one, two. I think I have Ziardes last, um, Leggett third, Nipples second, and actually Roldan I'm okay with the most. Mm. So all that should go to show you is we don't really agree on too much, but we agree on where Jazzy is. Oh, yeah, Ted Lass. <laughs> um, and then I'll be rich saying Jordan Morris also got called up on a very personal level, given that he, you know, went to Swansea, went to play the championship pretty much immediately towards ACL, which sucked. Seeing him rehab, come back, get back in the camp, re- like for his career and for as a person, I am happy yeah. for him. So, yeah. And I would did. love if, who's our last, if like, when it's like 3-0 against Honduras, him to come on for 20 minutes, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Like say, just, just for him. And, you know, 
as a kid when he came on out out you know, after college because he, he played Stanford, uh, burst on the scene and you you were a big JMO guy, and you were just constantly waiting for him to finally make that move to Europe. I he had some tryouts that went well in Germany, and then he decided not to make the move because of his girlfriend. And then he finally, finally makes that loan with option to buy over with Swansea. And I think his first appearance, he was a, like a late game sub. I think it was his like next game where he was, where he think was a starter or maybe another sub, just wrecked his knee. It's just like he finally did what like Landon was never, you know. Well, Landon did that too. I guess he did a, a, a loan. He just never left. Well, he but also he, was, he also failed at Bayern Munich. People never talk about that. Yeah, yeah. but so he finally did the thing that we had been waiting for him to do. Some of us thought a couple of years too late, but he was making the move, and that was really exciting. Better late than never, right? So it's hard to see him making that move moving forward. You never know. Um, so like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more excited to see Luca Dilatori in the in the squad than I am Jordan Morris. But you're right; it warms the heart to see GMO out there, and it would be great to see him get a couple of minutes in, in some of these games if we, you know, a if we have the result in hand, or b if like I'll tell you what. If, if we need a sub because our attack, our, our, our legs are heavy in attack, I'd rather today see Jordan Morris than Justice Artis or Paul Nichols come on. Or Christian Roldan when he comes on as an attacking sub sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, I think we should talk about it's concerning that we are still without Gio Reyna. Yes. There have been some complications in his injury. I think there was some like nerve damage, and that that was reported back in November. Or, or in, and Dortmund said he'll will be without him until you know through the end of 2021. Um, I think they they said something about he, he is recovering and rehabbing well and, and starting to he's back at training. He's integrating with the team, uh, but he has not been able to be on a match day roster in 2022 yet. So, just really hoping we can get him back playing at Dortmund uh, shortly after this window. Not even for the next windows, but just because we need Gio in good form uh, as we play competitive. Throughout the rest of the qualifying cycle into the World Cup, because we need him with chemistry, you know, with with the rest of that attacking and, you know, fullback and midfield line. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And with that, should we start looking at the three games we have upcoming? Yeah, so, you know, we've got three games this cycle. It's honestly, it's an opportunity to pick up some quality points and uh, and keep pace with a couple of these uh, competitions in this window. So our first game is Thursday, uh, January 27th, El Salvador. Must win. Home game. Must win. What's up? Must, Must win. I mean, El Salvador is second to last in the group. They have six total points. We have to win this. For yeah. Anything other than that is a fireable offense, in my not-so-humble opinion. I completely agree with your uh, not-so-humble opinion that uh, yeah, it's, it's like a must-win, you know, 3-0, 4-0 type victory. Here's my concern. I mentioned this window is a great opportunity to pick up points. We've got two or three matches are against the two bottom teams. This first one and the last one, which is... February 2nd against Honduras at home. The middle game is against CONCACAF leaders Canada. At Canada. I'm worried that Greg... No. 
squad no. is going to please no send, send out like an MLS heavy starting eleven against El Salvador. Believe we'll they can get the results so that he can play his strongest eleven at Canada. Whereas I think we would all agree we need to play our best arrest players all three games. Yes, one thousand percent. So I'm concerned. I think if we line up with the big three in midfield, right? Adams, McKinney, Musa, we get some combination of Pulisic, Pepe, and then Wea or Aronson. Your call. I'm not, I'm, we know where I stand, but I'm happy with either. And then we get Dest, Anthony, Richards, and then take your pick at the other center back. And then I take your pick at Stefan or Turner. I'm, I'm not going to argue. If that's the lineup against uh, El Salvador on Thursday, we have to. I mean, we, we have to win this game, but it would be a crime against U.S. soccer if that team doesn't beat El Salvador. Right. But if instead we throw in Roldan, Legette, Nipples, and Zardes. I could see this, this team having like a 0-0 zero, zero draw. Or we go down early and we fight back to a 1-1 one, one draw. Or we lose God forbid. So I'm nervous about this game, not because it should be a tough game, but because it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and Greg, you never know what he's going to do. Yeah, he could definitely have a he- MLS-heavy laden squad, saving our best guys for Canada. But then, you know, even with our best guys in Canada, that's going to be a tough match. It's going to be fucking five degrees in that game. It's going to be out in fucking outside of Toronto and Hamilton. Yeah. Where the fuck motherfucking Tiger Cats play. They did just announce that they have further uh, capacity restrictions. So, like, the crowd shouldn't be as intense. But also at, like, zero degree temperature, I wouldn't expect it to be very intense anyways. Um, I do think it's an interesting point. Like, our guys that play over in Europe, some of them are, pre- are used to playing in some cold conditions. I don't think they're going to be at least to playing in this cold conditions, but, but pretty cold. Um, the, obviously, the Canadian players that play in MLS are going to have some experience in, in, in cold, but their season's over by this point, right? And they don't all play in northern uh, cities. The big item for the Canada game, which... I should clarify, is Sunday, the 30th, is no Alfonso Davies. And for me, that transforms that game into a must-win. It is a must-win. It's also a gun. It's a damn shame. It is a damn shame because I I would want to play them at their best, and I think you and I agree that he's the best player in CONCACAF? Yes. Oh, easily. And then Christian Pulisic? Yes. Then Weston McKinney? So I was gonna say, like honestly, you could tell me you think Weston is the second best player in Concacaf, and I would I would respond to that with why I agree with that point. I don't know if I agree with it enough to evangelize it myself, but I, I mean, he's he's having a hell of a season for Juventus right now, and Pulisic's been yeah. a good season, so Pulisic's not playing. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I would say All this to say, there's been, I got off on a tangent there. Alfonso Davies is the best player in CONCACAF, and Canada doesn't have their best player, who is the best player in the entire region. And so yeah. that makes this game a must win. I agree. Um, it's three must win games. Yeah. That I could see us failing to win. I, any one of these games, I could see us failing to win. I do not think it's possible that we will not win all three. Like that we will lose all three or draw all no, three. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I, I'm saying each one of these individual games, I could see us failing to win on, on in a vacuum on its own. Yes, but I think we will get one win minimum. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would be shocked if we didn't. I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you just randomly pick out any one of these games, I think there's there's a game in here. And if I'm being honest, that we do not win. Yeah. And it would not shock me if that turned under us. Because I could see us getting two two wins out of two going into the last game of the of the window and hitting a brick like we did following up the Mexico win at Jamaica. Yeah. So but also we've been we've, we've been shit on the road this this cycle. True. And we're going to Canada. True. So um you and I are, usually you and I kind of disagree by a point or two about what are the points we need, but here's why I think we need nine out of nine points because I think if if we get nine out of nine points here, I think we just about guarantee auto auto qualifying. If we do get nine out of nine, I will not say that because I don't want to bring that that reverse karma into the world. Uh, but from a mathematics, don't get mad at just math. <laughs> we should have a segment, by the way. Our next, when we go back to our regular structure, we should have a segment where it's called Don't Get Mad, Just Matt, and we just bring up some statistic about soccer. I like it. I'm in. Uh, we'll each bring, bring us a statistic to discuss, and don't get mad. It's just Matt. <laughs> uh, you're mathematically accurate, but, like, I don't know, man. I've, I've been burned one too many times. No, you've been burned. Okay. We've not made the World Cup one time in our lifetime. You've been burned exactly one time. And as I say, I've been burned one too many times, and that number was one. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I'm really excited for these games. Um, and one last, one last thing on my, from my point of view: uh, if you've been, if you follow soccer and you listen to this podcast, and you don't follow soccer, then like, what the fuck are you doing? But if you like follow soccer but haven't been really into the World Cup qualification process, I would check it out. And I would enjoy it um, as much as we hate it, and like it does ridiculous things to my blood pressure. This is probably the last time we're going to have a World Cup cycle until qualifying cycle until 2030, because as a host, 2026, we're going to we should auto qualify. Yeah, and there's plus there's going to be a thousand teams, so <laughs> everyone's auto qualifying. <laughs> They're actually turning the World Cup into March Madness. With, and you're starting with 128 teams. So pretty much all... Like, we're missing, like, 100 countries on that. And, like, most of those countries so, have a population of less than four. Just wait. Uh, the, like, 2060-something World Cup is going to be on the moon. And we're going to invite Mars and Jupiter. Uh, but we're not going to invite Neptune because we'll probably be still working on some stuff. Uh, but it's going to be an intergalactic uh, competition. Yeah, the Galaxy Cup. Yeah, the Galaxy Cup. Uh, and it'll be, every, it'll be every year. <laughs> my point here is yeah, this could be different if they go to two year World Cups but we don't have time to get into that fucking bag of worms um, 
Mm. We won't have another round of World Cup qualifiers until 2029. Good point. So watch them, enjoy them, and um, or watch them and don't enjoy them, which is kind of how I do it. Support your country. And the athletes who represent your country. There we go. So, yeah, that's the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what Mexico does this window. We didn't pull up their uh, schedule, but for them, with with Canada and the U.S. playing each other, that's a golden opportunity to, if that's a draw, they can leapfrog into the front, or if not, they can leapfrog whoever fails to win. So it's, it's getting real. As Fergie says, squeaky bum time. Squeaky bum time. All right. Well, uh, you guys know to follow us on Twitter at OwnGoalPod, Instagram, OwnGoalPod, email us, OwnGoalPod at gmail.com for mailbag. Um, Next episode, we will recap these last three games and return more to our structure so I can get back to the misery that is European club soccer for me. Looking forward to it, buddy. Yep. Um, And with that being said... Bye. Bye. It's a gift. Well, it's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Don't know too clearly.